Our reading this evening is 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 1 through 17. Paul, called by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus, and our brother Sosthenes, to the church of God that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, together with all those who in every place call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus, that in every way you were enriched in him in all speech and all knowledge, even as the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you, so that you are not lacking in any gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will sustain you to the end, guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful, by whom you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment, For it has been reported to me by Chloe's people that there is quarreling among you, my brothers. What I mean is that each one of you says, I follow Paul, or I follow Apollos, or I follow Cephas, or I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius so that no one may say that you were baptized in my name. I did baptize also the household of Stephanas. Beyond that, I do not know whether I baptized anyone else. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, and not with words of eloquent wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. O Lord, have mercy on us. Thanks be to God. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. One of the things to know as we begin our journey through 1 Corinthians is that the Corinthian congregation was a mess. It was a wreck. Sixteen chapters we're going to read of all of the troubles that they had. All of the sins that they committed, all of the grievances they held in their hearts. Things that are really unimaginable to many of us. Things that shock and surprise and scandalize. And in fact, that's the reason for Paul's letter. The scandals among the Corinthians needed to be dealt with pastorally. He needed to give them counsel from God's word and wisdom and correction and training in righteousness. And so he writes to them. You have to know that about the Corinthians. Their life was a wreck and their setting was a wreck as well. We'll learn some more about the city of Corinth along the way, but it was a pagan city, a city in Greece that was full of temples to Aphrodite and to other Greek gods, full of cult worship that was wicked and degenerate. And so when God called these Christians out of that darkness and into his marvelous light, it was a miracle. It was a miracle. They were a group of people probably about the same size as our congregation, maybe a little bit smaller. A large number of people that would get together in a house or in several houses to hear God's word, to worship and give thanks. 
But in the course of their life together, they discovered that being a Christian in this world is fraught with danger. There are all kinds of things, temptations of the devil, allurements of the world, and even the enticements of your own heart, things that are drawing you back to the darkness. Those were the things they faced. And so Paul wrote them a letter. But notice this, although Paul is going to get really harsh with the Corinthians, this, this letter is not like his letter to the Thessalonians, which we read recently. In Paul's letter to the Thessalonians, he praises them. He thanks God for their faith and encourages them to trust and do more and to live in greater and greater works of love. That's not how it is with the Corinthians. He has harsh words for them. He rebukes them. And he holds their feet to the fire. But notice how he begins. Notice how he begins. To the church of God that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints together. And then he extends to them God's grace and peace. He doesn't come to them with fire and brimstone as though that is what he wants to give to them. There is fire and there is brimstone waiting for them. There are words of judgment waiting for them. But his purpose in writing to them, his purpose in rebuking them and correcting them is that they may have the grace and peace that come from God their Father. That's the goal. And he reminds them of how rich they are. I give thanks to my God always because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus that in every way you were made rich in all speech and in all knowledge even as the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you so that you are not lacking in any gift. This is the first thing to take away from this first passage in 1 Corinthians. You are not lacking in any gift. Now, I could say, look, if the Corinthians, as rotten as they were, if they were not lacking in any gift, then certainly the rest of us are doing okay. But that's not the way to take this. The reason why they were not lacking in any gift, the reason why they were so rich, was because in spite of their degeneracy, in spite of their rotten behavior, in spite of even their faithlessness, they still had God's word. They still had the gospel. They still had the message of Christ crucified. And so, they were rich. Now, it's true, they may be leaving behind those riches. They may be threatening to abandon them or lay them aside or not put them to use. But nonetheless, that does not change the fact that they were rich because God had given them his grace. He had given them his word. He had held the cross of Jesus before their eyes so that they could see the love of God poured out for them in such abundance. They were enriched in every, every way. They were not lacking anything. That's a marvelous thing, and that is what is so upsetting about the gospel. We're going to hear some more in the weeks ahead about how upsetting the gospel is, how it's a scandal to the world, how it sounds like foolishness. It's foolishness because it makes people rich who appear to have no riches. It makes people holy who appear to be completely unholy. So that Paul can look at those Corinthians and say, in spite of your sin, you are saints because you have been washed by God. You've been sanctified not in yourselves, not in your flesh, not in your hearts, but in Christ Jesus. It came from outside of you. Now, if you look inside of yourself to dig up some sanctification or to find some riches or to find some grace, you will be lacking entirely. 
But if it comes from outside of you, and even better, if it comes from Christ Jesus, the very Son of God, then you and I, just like the Corinthians, are rich, lacking no gift. We have everything we need. The Holy Spirit has been poured out on us. That's the joy of Pentecost. You've been filled with God's Word. There is nothing else that you need. Nothing else, as St. Paul says, nothing else is needed to sustain you to the end, to the end when God will hold you guiltless before his holy throne, guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's God's faithfulness by whom we were called. It's God's faithfulness that makes us rich. That's the only question, really, for the Corinthians in the days ahead, in the weeks ahead, as they hear Paul's word. The question is not, am I going to be a better person, but am I going to put my trust in the God who has called me and washed me and made me clean? Now, Paul gets right to work already in this first chapter. The first four chapters of 1 Corinthians are really dealing with the main issue that's at play. There are lots of issues to come along the way, but the main issue that stands before them right now is that they are not together. The Corinthians are divided. They're not of the same mind. Paul urges them to agree, and literally what he says is, I urge you to say the same thing. Don't one of you say one thing about Jesus and another say something else. Don't one of you say one thing about the forgiveness of sins and another say something else. After all, the Word of God comes from God. It's His Word. It's not ours. And so, speak God's Word and not the words that come out of our hearts. I appeal to you that you all agree, that you say the same thing, that there be no divisions among you. In fact, more than your tongues being united in saying the same things, be of the same mind. Make the same judgments because you are rooted in the same Christ. Paul gives an example of how this division has shown up among the Corinthians. Some of them say, I follow Paul. And others say, I follow Apollos. Apollos who was apparently a better speaker than Paul. More engaging, more persuasive. And some said, I follow Cephas. That's the Aramaic word for stone or rock. The Aramaic name for Peter. Some said, I follow Peter. Peter who was with Jesus. Peter, although who he denied him three times, was restored by Jesus and instructed to feed his lambs. I follow Peter, some said picking their favorite apostle for whatever traits they might have liked about him. And then some who said they were better than others declared, no, forget all of you, I follow Christ. Maybe you've heard this from Christians in our world. You have your denomination, you're Lutherans, look at you Lutherans, guess what, I'm a Christian. I follow Christ. Let there be no divisions among you, Paul says. The question is not whether or not you're going to follow someone. You must. That's how it is to be a sheep in this world. But why do you follow someone? Why would you follow Paul? Why would you follow Apollos? Why would you follow Cephas? Why do you follow Christ except because of the gospel? It's like being in the military. And imagine you've got a bunch of soldiers and they start talking about how great it is that I, this is my commander and you have your commander. And no, my commander is better than your commander. And they forget that they all work for the same commander-in-chief, and that those commanders are no good whatsoever. They're useless altogether if they do not report to the commander-in-chief, if they're not following the good shepherd. These under-shepherds are worthless if they don't follow the good shepherd. And so, they ought to follow, but they follow because 
because they hear the words of Christ. It's no good to step aside and say, no, I'm just going to go on my own and follow Christ all on my own. No, you must listen to the words of an apostle, to the words of a prophet, to the words of a preacher. You must, but listen because they're the words of Christ, not for any other reason. Any other reason is going to lead your heart astray. And there are lots of reasons why we might like to listen to someone, why we might like to follow someone, why we might like to be a follower of Christ. There's lots of reasons. But if it's anything other than the gospel, the forgiveness of sins, rescue from death and the devil, salvation, eternal salvation, if there's any other reason, then forget about it. Set those things aside. Instead, follow Listen to the voice of your good shepherd. Listen as it is echoed in the voice of under-shepherds. Listen and follow and do not be divided. Let those words form your judgments. Let those words, the words of Christ, form your thoughts, form your minds. Let those words be the words that you share in common with one another. Watch out for divisions among you. Watch out for quarreling. Watch out for jostling and negotiating for positions. Watch out, because Christ is not divided. We are all one in him. It's his word that unites us. It's his word that softens our hearts. It's his word that carries the Holy Spirit and makes us whole. The last thing that Paul says at this section of 1 Corinthians leads into the next section, really. So we'll get more of this next week. But Paul says, look, I came to you and I didn't come speaking eloquent words of wisdom. I wasn't trying to persuade you by being a really gifted orator. I wasn't trying to persuade you with smoke and mirrors. I wasn't trying to allure you or market to you or advertise to you. I didn't do any of those things, Paul says. Here's why. Lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. The things that draw our attention in this world are kind of like the moon, which is bright and shining in the night sky. It's attractive. It's beautiful. The moon is a marvelous thing. But notice what can happen during an eclipse, that the moon can come and stand right in front of the sun and block out the sun, which is brighter by far. It's brighter by far, but for a moment, if we're focusing on the moon, if we put the moon in front of the sun, this moon can block out the sun. So it would be if Paul had come to the Corinthians hoping to persuade them by his excellence, by his character, by his personality, If he had come with those things, it would have been like putting the moon in front of the sun, blocking out the glorious light that was actually meant to save them. And so he says, I didn't come with those things. And you'll hear next time, I came resolved only in this, to preach Christ and him crucified. Tune your ears to listen for Christ. Tune your ears to listen in good preachers and bad, in good speakers and poor. Tune your ears to listen wherever you're listening, to listen for Christ. And to see his cross, tune your eyes to see Jesus pouring out his blood for you, for that is your life and your salvation. Everything centers on the forgiveness of sins. It is what resolves divisions. It is what changes our hearts and changes our behavior. It is what unites us in one mind, speaking the same words. It's what draws us home to our Father in heaven. It's the reason we're here. It's the only thing that matters. So begin now with the Corinthians. Begin now as we give thanks that God has made us so rich 
that he has kept nothing from us, that he's poured out his blessings on us in such abundance that we are lacking in no good thing. To God alone be all glory now and forever. Amen.